I love that song. It plays in my head with Celtic overtones. I feel like I should run out and get a kilt on or something, you know. It's got that kind of a sound to it for me. Would you bow your head and close your eyes and pray along with me as we begin? Father God, today we study friendship and the love of your son Jesus that points to his humanity. We also look at the miracle of resurrection that points to his divinity, a miracle that points to his own resurrection. Lord, teach us from your word. Reveal yourself in our hearts and our lives. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, it's almost Easter. Uh, you know, for the early Christian, Easter was the main celebration. Early Christians didn't celebrate Christmas quite the way that we do. Um, and that's because the eternal fate of all humanity rests on the death and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And we remember that at Easter as we celebrate together. You'll notice that the closer you get to the events of Easter uh, and the events of the crucifixion, in the Gospels, as you're reading, you'll find that the, the more of the teachings and more of the stories will point the way to the cross. And this is especially true in the writings of the Apostle John. Uh, his whole account of Jesus' life seems to be pointing at the death and resurrection of Jesus. The story we're looking at today is from John chapter 11. It tells about when Jesus raised Lazarus from the dead. No, it's not a zombie story with a dead man walking. It's a story of a man who was dead who becomes alive again. Uh, you've got three things going on here in this, part, in this story. It's, it's a fairly lengthy little piece. It's got three different parts to it, or three little things going on. One has to do with friendship, the friendship that Jesus has uh, with this family. Another has to do with loss and grief and death. And the third part has to do with turning that upside down and turning doubt into faith and gloom into glory and defeat into victory. Uh, if you would like to open your Bibles with me this morning, we're in chapter 11 uh, of the Gospel of John, and we're going to be looking at the first 16 verses to get started here. John chapter 11, verses 1 through 16. Now, a man named Lazarus was sick. He was from Bethany, the village of Mary and her sister Martha. This Mary, whose brother Lazarus now lay sick, was the same one who poured perfume on the Lord and wiped his feet with her hair. So the sisters sent word to Jesus, Lord, the one you love is sick. When he heard this, Jesus said, this sickness will not end in death. No, it is for God's glory, so that, the God, so that God's Son may be glorified through it. Now Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus. So when he heard that Lazarus was sick, he stayed where he was two more days, and then he said to his disciples, let's go back to Judea. But Rabbi, they said, a short while ago, the Jews there tried to stone you, and yet you're going back? Jesus answered, are there still not 12 hours of daylight? Anyone who walks in the daylight will not stumble for they will see by the world's light. It is when a person walks at night that they stumble, for they have no light. 
After he said this, he went on to tell them, our friend Lazarus has fallen asleep, but I'm going there to wake him up. His disciples replied, Lord, if he sleeps, he will get better. <laughs> Jesus had been speaking of his death, but his disciples thought he meant natural sleep. So then he told them plainly, Lazarus is dead. And for your sake, I'm glad I was not there so that you may believe, but let us go to him. And then Thomas, also known as Didymus, said to the rest of the disciples, let us also go that we may die with him. Now, I love Thomas, you know. He, he's a little weird. <laughs> he gets things a little wrong sometimes, you know. He, I think that in this case, he's thinking, oh, you know, our friend has died and it's in hostile territory, so let's go there and all be martyred together. <laughs> you know, I think he's got these ideas in his head. John doesn't waste any time getting into the story here. He, he tells us that Lazarus is sick, where he was from, who he's related to, and a little bit about his family relationship with Jesus. Lazarus was the brother of Mary and Martha from the town of Bethany. Passage says this is the same Mary who anointed Jesus' feet with perfume and wiped his feet with his hair or her hair. Um, that can be a little confusing because there is more than one story of anointing in the, the Gospels, in the writing of the Gospels. And, so, and, and two of them, at least, are named Mary. So that gets a little confusing. But um, don't let that bother you. This is a, an independent event. They don't all blur together. They're not retelling the same story. It's, we assume that Jesus was anointed on several occasions. Jesus often stayed with Mary and Martha and Lazarus. Uh, that house was a little less than two miles from Jerusalem, so it was very convenient. If you were going to go down to visit Jerusalem, uh, you didn't want to stay in the city, and he would be able to retreat and get away from the crowds and be in this comfortable home. The Bible portrays their relationship as a really comfortable one. I, I kind of get the impression that Martha's house was the kind of place where Jesus could really relax and be himself you know the kind of place where he could take off his sandals and put his feet up on the coffee table and and just be himself and not have to worry about being in front of the crowds uh, there were definitely some very special gifts of hospitality being exercised in this home and and i don't know about you but i find people like that in my life are always a blessing you know, where you can go and you don't have to have the switch turned on. You can just be yourself. Let your hair down, those of you who have hair. <laughs> John says that the two sisters sent a message to Jesus saying, Lord, the one you love is sick. Now, that's kind of an interesting phrase or interesting expression, the one you love. In fact, John, who's the one who wrote this, also uses that same expression to talk about himself. He says, the disciple whom Jesus loved, and he does that a couple of times in his gospel. Well, that means that Jesus was especially close to Lazarus. Uh, John had that kind of relationship. He was close to Jesus in a way, probably John, because he was younger and Jesus probably treated him like a younger brother and kind of nurtured him in that way. There is nothing freaky going on here. Let's point that out. These were all just perfectly good, close friends. 
Now, notice that Mary and Martha, they don't ask Jesus to come. They just send the message that their brother is sick. They don't really have to ask him to come. That's the kind of relationship that they had with Jesus. They know Jesus' character, and they know that if his friends are in trouble, he's going to show up. He's going to be there. There's a story by a writer named C.F. Andrews. It's about two friends who served together in World War I. And one day after a, an intense battle, one of the two friends is left lying in, in the no-man's land between the two battle lines, and he's badly wounded, and he can't move. He can't get out of that place. Well, that night, under cover of darkness, his friend crawled through the mud and crawled out over the field and searched until he found his friend. And when he finally found him, the wounded man looked up and just said this, I knew you would come. I knew you would come. William Barclay says that's the kind of person Jesus is. He says, the simple fact of human need brings Jesus to our side in the twinkling of an eye. But something weird happens in this case when Mary and Martha send this message. You know, you'd expect Jesus' immediate response in a situation like this. You'd, you'd expect him to respond like he does all these other times. He immediately deals with the situation as he encounters it. But he didn't respond in the way that you might expect. When he heard this, Jesus said, this sickness will not end in death. No, it is for God's glory, so that God's Son may be glorified through it. Now Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus. So when he heard that Lazarus was sick, he stayed where he was for two more days, and then he said to his disciples, let's go back to Judea. Jesus stayed where he was for two more days. How does that work? He loved them. It says he loved them, so he stayed put and didn't go to them in their hour of need. That doesn't sound like Jesus at all, does it? He says, this sickness will not end in death. But it does end in death. Very short time later, and he says to the disciples that their friend has died. And he says, okay, he's dead, now we can go. <laughs> it's just a little strange. But think about it. There are two other times when Jesus raises people from the dead in the Gospels. And in both of those instances... Jesus raises that person from the dead almost immediately after they die. You know, somebody could easily challenge that and say, oh, well, they were just in an intense sleep. Or maybe they were in a coma or had some kind of catatonic condition. You know, there's some natural explanation that could be applied to those situations. But Jesus seems to be treating this situation differently so that he can show that this person was really dead before he approaches it. The friend has died, so now we'll go. Now when it's too late to do anything about it, when he's extra dead, now we're going to go and tend to him. Have you ever prayed that, that God would do something very intense in your life? Have you ever been in a situation where you pray for healing or financial resources and when you really need rescued or for a better husband 
That's kind of a lost cause, that last one. You pray and it seems like nothing happens. Again, that applies to the last one. I'm sure that Mary and Martha felt like their prayers about their brother were not answered. I'm sure they felt like we called on Jesus and he didn't come. Have you ever had that experience where you're praying and it just feels like God isn't listening, that he's not answering, that he's not responding to your need? I'm sure that's what's going on here. They feel this way. But Jesus had something a little bigger in mind. And he told the disciples that Lazarus had fallen asleep, and they didn't get that. So it says they told him plainly, or he told them, Lazarus is dead, and for your sake I'm glad I was not there, so that you may believe. But let's go to him. Well, he said that this situation was for God's glory and that he himself would be glorified in it. So let's see what happens next here. John 11, verses 17 to 37. On his arrival, Jesus found that Lazarus had already been in the tomb for four days. Now Bethany was less than two miles from Jerusalem, and many Jews had come to Martha and Mary to comfort them at the loss of their brother. When Martha heard that Jesus was coming, she went out to meet him, but Mary stayed at home. Lord, Martha said to Jesus, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. But I know that even now, God will give you whatever you ask. Jesus said to her, your brother will rise again. And Martha answered, I know he will rise again in the resurrection in the last day. And Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. The one who believes in me will live, even though they die. And whoever lives by believing me will never die. Do you believe this? Yes, Lord, she replied. I believe that you are the Messiah, the Son of God, who has come into the world. And after she said this, she went back and called her sister Mary aside. The teacher is here, she said, and he's asking for you. When Mary heard this, she got up quickly and went to him. Now Jesus had not yet entered the village, but was still at the place where Martha had met him. When the Jews who had been with Mary in the house comforting her noticed how quickly she got up and went out, they followed her, supposing that she was going to the tomb to mourn there. When Mary reached the place where Jesus was, she saw him, she fell at his feet and said, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. When Jesus saw her weeping, and the Jews who had come along with her also weeping, he was deeply moved in spirit and troubled. Where have you laid him? He said. Come and see, Lord, they replied. Jesus wept. And then the Jews said, see how he loved them? But some of them said, could not he who opened the eyes of the blind man have kept this man from dying? Another long piece going on here. The interplay that's happening, the arrival at the village, and uh, Martha gives Jesus a kind of a subtle rebuke when she sees him. You know, if you'd been here, this wouldn't have happened. And yet she still has faith. You know, she says, well, but I also believe that you know, God will do whatever you ask him. 
And Jesus, uh, you know, he talks to her about this for a moment or two. And uh, then he says, your brother will rise again. Well, she immediately spits out a for road answer, right? She immediately gives the memorized in Sunday school answer. I know that he will rise again in the last day. <laughs> well, that's kind of cookie cutter. And Jesus looks at her and goes, uh-uh. <laughs> he says to her, I am the resurrection and the life. The one who believes in me will live even though they die. And whoever lives by believing in me will never die. Do you believe this? Yes, Lord, she replied. I believe that you are the Messiah, the Son of God, who has come into the world. No Sunday school answer there. This is the first great declaration of Jesus as the Messiah. It only happens from one disciple in one other place, and that's from Peter. This is pretty important, this great confession of who Jesus is. You know, we give Mary, Martha's sister, a whole ton of credit. You know, we saw her sitting at Jesus' feet and learning to sit at Jesus' feet just simply means that she was learning, that he was the teacher and she was the student. And she's doing that while Martha works, and Martha has, you know, this other attitude. And so that's, that's what we think of Mary and Martha. when we That's the standard Sunday school story that we tell. But there's a whole lot more to Martha. There's another dimension to Martha that you don't see until you move on in Scripture a little later on. She has a very strong understanding of who Jesus is. And she has great faith. In fact, when Mary comes along, she gives the same little rebuke to Jesus about not being there and not being there for her brother, not being there on time. And then she breaks down weeping. One of the things I find very compelling about this passage is Jesus' reaction. You see him in the midst of this group of people, and, and often Jesus is very proactive. He, you don't see him reactive too often. He will um, sort of be ahead of the curve when it comes to his interactions with people. But here he is responding to the need of the people who are all around him. And it says, when Jesus saw her weeping, and the Jews who had come along with her also weeping, he was deeply moved in spirit and troubled. Sometimes when we experience loss, when we're mourning, or we're hurting, we are very tempted in those dark times to think that Jesus doesn't care about us. But you know, Jesus sees our tears, and he cares very deeply for what you're going through. A few verses later here, it says that Jesus wept. Shortest verse in the Bible, and it conveys a whole lot of emotion. You know, where else do you see Jesus crying? Only one other time. It's pretty soon, actually. It's when he descends into Jerusalem, and he looks down, and he, and he weeps over the people. Jerusalem, Jerusalem. You know, he's, he's just sobbing for them because he knows what they're going to face because they're about to reject him as the Messiah. 
He has all that pain. And that's the only other time you see him weep. The word for wept here is, is a little different than is used in other places. It means to cry softly or to cry quietly. There's this real emotional depth to what's going on. This isn't a show. This isn't a, uh, the hired mourner who comes and wails and makes a lot of noise. This is a very deeply felt hurt. You know, scholars have argued a lot about this little passage about Jesus weeping. Uh, some of them think that, that Jesus is weeping because of the unbelief of the people, and that's what's often taught. But when I look at the passage, and I see the context, and I see what he's looking at, I, I don't believe that. I believe that what he's crying about is, is the emotion of the moment. You know, the death of his friend, the pain of the sisters who he knew so well and loved. And, and all these mourners around, these aren't hired mourners. These are friends. These are family. These are people who really care about Mary and Martha and this loss that they've gone through. And they're there, and they're crying too. And Jesus mourned Lazarus. And it says here in the Greek, he, he groaned in his spirit. You ever been there where you're, you're just so bereft that your spirit's just moaning or groaning, you know? You just don't have the words to say. You know, I sometimes think about this last year that we've been through. More than half a million people dead from COVID-19, some of whom may be related to you, some of whom may be friends, people you know, acquaintances. And I think about how Jesus might think about that and those people. I believe that Jesus weeps. I believe that God weeps over the loss and the hurt and the suffering. Our God is not stone. He feels the pain that you feel. And he experiences our broken hearts. He weeps. When you weep, I believe Jesus is right there beside you. Thankfully, the story that we're looking at doesn't end in weeping, unless it's tears of joy. It has a very powerful ending. Let's take a look at that says, Jesus, once more deeply moved, came to the tomb. It was a cave with stone laid across the entrance. Take away the stone, he said. But Lord Martha, the sister of the dead man, said, by this time there is a bad odor. He's been there for four days. And then Jesus said, did I not tell you that if you believe you will see the glory of God? So they took away the stone. And then Jesus looked up and, and said, Father, I thank you that you've heard me, and I, I knew that you always hear me, but I said this for the benefit of the people standing here, that they may believe that you sent me. And when he had said this, Jesus called out in a loud voice, Lazarus, come forth. And the dead man came out 
his hands and his feet wrapped with strips of linen and a cloth around his face. And Jesus said to them, take off the grave clothes and let him go. When I read this, I, I, I can't help think of the song Lazarus Come Forth by Carmen, you know, the Christian singer Carmen. Sadly, Carmen passed about two weeks ago. Uh, so I, I went back and I watched uh, a video performance of that song. And um, he, he had a lot of great drama. He creates this great anticipation leading to the resurrection and it builds and it builds and it builds. And, 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 and yet I think, Jesus might have been a little bit different from that. I think that the great drama in the Bible story doesn't come from the anticipation of what's going to happen. Because these people didn't know what was going to happen. You know, they really didn't know what Jesus was going to do. Even Martha, who had great faith in the beginning, uh, has no idea. She knew who Jesus was. She knew what he could do. But I'm not sure that she really believed that he would do it when he says go roll back the stone was martha's day well lord don't he's been in there for four days he's gonna stink but when jesus prayed and jesus said lazarus come forth come out and the man actually stepped out of the grave alive dressed in the wrapping that they used to embalm him it must have been crazy. Can you imagine the people? I mean, can you imagine their response? Uh, I, I have a kind of a twisted imagination, and so I, I kind of wonder about the first words that happened between Mary and, uh, and, and Martha and their brother, you know? And what did they say to him? And what does he say to them on that first encounter from the dead? You should have seen the look on your face when I come out of the tomb. <laughs> it was hilarious. <laughs> you know, what was the conversation like? And they had planned a wake. Now we got a party on our hands. This thing has turned upside down. Mourning has turned into celebration. The passage goes on to tell us that many of the Jews who had come up from Jerusalem, those who were there to visit Mary and who saw Lazarus, uh, they became believers. They believed. They saw Jesus raised from the dead. But some of them went over and they told the Pharisees what happened. And the Pharisees went and they told the Jewish leaders, even Caiaphas, the high priest, gets involved, and there's this long discussion, and they realize that if Jesus could raise the dead, and if he would go on doing things like this, that everybody would believe. And if everybody believed that he was the Messiah, the king, that threatened the status quo. And they believed that the Romans would come in and take the temple, and that they'd fall on him like a ton of bricks. And so they plotted to kill Jesus. They were terrified. They just couldn't ignore him after that. They couldn't let him live. He was too much of a threat. You know, a lot of scholars believe that this was a direct path from Lazarus to Jesus' crucifixion. This was the final straw that broke the camel's back. This was the thing that led to him being crucified. 
You know, this is a, a great story. It's, it's got passion and drama and emotion, and it's got a lot of great things in it. But what do we do with it? How does this apply to us in any way today in our situation? Well, first of all, I, I think one of the ways is to say, believe. Believe. Jesus said to Martha, I am the resurrection and the life. The one who believes in me will live even though they die. And whoever lives by believing in me will never die. Kind of a twist on the same idea, only I think the emphasis is slightly different between the two parts of that verse. Now he asks a very important question to Martha. He says, do you believe this? Do you believe this? Jesus had the power over death. On the cross, he defeated death. But, you know, he had that power even before that. God, the Father, had given it to him. And if you remember the power that spoke the universe into being with one word, that's the kind of power we're talking about here. This is the resurrection Jesus. This is the one who does resurrection and who will be resurrected very shortly. This is God in all his power. You believe that? When we believe that Jesus died for our sins and was raised on the third day, we begin a relationship with Jesus, and it transcends death. When you put your trust in Jesus, you will live even though you die. And whoever lives by believing in Jesus never dies. Do you believe that? Sometimes, and, and I really felt as I was finishing this up, sometimes I, I felt like the Lord was leading me down this other path to finish this up. And I think that sometimes in our lives we need mini-resurrections. We need to be raised up again. When our life is hard and it's not going the way that we hope and, and our loss crushes us and we need hope and we need strength to keep going, we need a resurrection. We need raised up. The same God who raised Jesus, the same God who promised eternal life, the same God who promised to raise us to walk in his kingdom, in the new heaven and the new earth. That's the God who can raise you up right now. Right now. Don't wait for death be raised up there's application in this life as well as in the next he is the god of resurrection jesus knows your tears jesus knows your pain jesus knows your losses and as he called lazarus out from the grave i believe he's calling to you Come 
forth. Let me raise you up. As we finish this morning, I want to invite you to put your trust in Jesus for resurrection. Here and at death. Ask him, ask him to raise you up, to resurrect you. Tell him, Lord, I need to be made alive again. I need to be whole. I need to walk out of the grave that I've been living in. I need to peel off the grave clothes, and I need to experience life. Let's go before the Lord. Lord Jesus, raise us up. Raise us up, Lord. Perform a resurrection here this morning. Breathe new life into my soul. Holy Spirit, fall on me now. I believe you for eternal life, but I struggle with believing you for this life. And I know that on my own, I just can't go on sometimes. I need you to raise me up. Fill me with your Holy Spirit. Lord, empower me to burst out from behind this cloak of death. And let me live free and strong for you. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Maybe the Spirit is speaking to you this morning. Maybe he's saying, be raised up. Maybe he's calling you to surrender the thing that is keeping you from being raised up. Maybe he's calling you to a new part of your life, a new stage, a new life a new vision, a new calling. Put it before the Lord. We're going to sing. We're going to sing a song here to close. As we're singing, experience the Lord talking with you in your heart. and Listen. Listen for his speaking. And then respond. Respond as you feel God is calling you to respond.